Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the DevThink Podcast. As usual, your hosts are Sean and... Nicola. And today we're going to do another one of our Lynx episodes, which is fun because I'm sure everyone does this who listens to podcasts and use the internet a lot. They find something cool, they share it with a couple of their friends, and it spreads a little bit. But we get to share it with literally, literally ones of people who listen to this podcast, which is amazing, you know? <laughs> Probably have a little bit more ones. reach than the average person. I don't know how many people listen. As far as I know, it's just you and me talking to each other on a Sunday. It's like our social activity. So Exactly. Good enough good. for me. Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with it. So cool. what well, do you I got? actually at least have one person that reached out and said, dude, this is actually useful. And to be super honest, uh, the only real useful is these links episodes. So, you know, then we're like, okay, let's just do these because these are great, right? Okay, jokes aside, uh, or truth aside, but um, <laughs> my first link for this week, uh, the title of it is Enjoy the Extra Day Off. More bosses give four-day work, work weeks a try. Huh. To be clear, the author here says that uh, they're not moving to a 10-hour uh, workday. Instead, they are actually moving towards a 32-hour uh, work week with the same pay. Uh, the post talks about how, remarkably, workers got more done while you know working fewer hours. Sales and profit grew, na 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 right? Employees spent less time commuting, and everybody was happy, right? And I was like, ah, really? And then, you know, as they go onward or on with this post, it's um, they quote that last month, uh, this is actually like really, um, how would you say this, current uh, blog post. And it says that last month, a vacation, uh, <laughs> vacation, <laughs> last month, a uh, Washington state senator introduced a bill to reduce the standard work week to 32 hours. And supposedly Microsoft tried to do this in Japan and saw a 40% improvement in productivity. Again, I'm probably in the, on the wrong side of all this where I'm like, ah, yeah, gee, huh, thing, you know, great. But uh, it's like TDD, nice idea that doesn't work. <laughs> so actually, I would say you're you're wrong and they're right. And this is something that has been known for years. And I actually read a lot about it in that book, Deep Work, that I mentioned from time to time. Yep. And there was a company, I forget which one it was, it was like a big name, it was like uh, 37 Signals or the company that started it or something, or it was renamed to or from. Anyway, the point is that if you have a 40-hour work week, especially if you work in an office, you're not working anywhere near 40 hours. You're talking to the people next to you and bullshitting and on the internet, checking your email and stuff. And if you have fewer hours in the day, you just buckle down and say, I can't screw around. I got to get my stuff done and people get the same amount of work done. And as you said, so you get the same productivity for less time, better morale. People are better rested. People are more engaged and happy. I mean, if you could get the same money and feel the same pride in your work at two jobs, but one of them required a few hours a week, what's not to like? I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, Great, cool, awesome. Do I see this happening in the whole world? I don't think so. But then again, I am very open to changing my mind about it. All right. Well, let's hope. All right. So my first uh, link is actually from getbootstrap.com, which is 
you know, the site for Bootstrap, which is a front-end framework. And because I can't be bothered to learn how to do CSS and HTML properly, and I can't find anybody to do front-end work for me, and when I do, they want thousands of dollars for something that takes them, you know, a couple hours, I decided to finally do something with Bootstrap myself. And the first thing I did, being me, was go to Amazon and look up bootstrap books. And there's almost nothing. And anything that was written was written years ago. And I'm like, why are there no bootstrap books? What's going on? And I ended up looking at YouTube tutorials and there are a bunch of courses, of course, from, you know, Udemy and Coursera and everybody else. Everybody wants to sell you a a bootstrap course. But from looking at a few resources... What I learned is the reason that there aren't a lot of books is there really isn't a need for them. It's really simple. And if you go to the Bootstrap documentation and go to the examples page, they've got like a splash page. They have a invoice looking page or a, a form. They have like a login page. They have a product page. They have a bunch of different pages. And if you just look at them with your eyes and then view the source and see what the elements are to make it up, you see the patterns. And it's really not that hard to just, by the time you go through three, four of these samples and look at the source, it starts to make sense. And a book would just be overkill. So I recommend that because a lot of the sources that I have found, you know, I want to learn something about Bootstrap. Okay. So you go to the page and they're like, okay, first you got to install NPM and then you have to install Gulp and then you have to install the SAS stuff and you have to, and like this one video was like almost an hour. I think the first 15 minutes were setting up a whole bunch of stuff that had nothing to do with with bootstrap it was just getting all this javascript infrastructure in place so that you could then start writing some html and i was so angry but anyway the example page of rap of getbootstrap.com is actually all you need to get started if you you know if you've never done anything before with front end or html maybe not but if you're passingly familiar with it and just a crappy stylist like i am it's awesome cool great you heard it guys cool my next well second link uh the title of it is how to not hijack brainstorming meetings in this post the author talks about how if you're in the lead especially if you're in the leadership position of the team uh how you may hijack the brainstorming meetings by creating this so-called halo effect where People basically cling to your idea because, well, you know, you're authority, right? Um, he, one of the things that he says what could help with this is that you have a facilitator. Again, not too long or too deep of a post, and it's honestly common sense, right? Hey, don't do the halo effect. Don't tell to the people, hey, you know, what do you think about the issue? Uh, a, I actually think this. <laughs> Good luck, you know, especially if you're a scary dude. Good luck with people actually confronting you, right? So something to keep in mind. Yeah, it's very weird, and I still haven't gotten over it, how, I mean, I don't know how, what impression people have of me who listen, but you know me. I'm like a laid-back, calm guy. I'm not an aggressive, angry, scary person, I don't think. But yet, if you are a manager, somehow you automatically become intimidating in some way to the people that 
you know, are in the company, even if you're not their manager, it's like, oh, he's a manager, you know, like somehow they have to be on their best behavior around you. And it's really weird. So, all right, my second link is a YouTube video. There's a YouTuber that I just discovered, although he's been around since 2007 and is amazing. His name is Captain Disillusion. And he debunks videos on YouTube, like videos where they use fakery, like basically special effects, not basically, it's literally special effects, like in movies. And he exposes how some viral videos are done. This, for example, many people have seen, it's had over 5 million views. There was a video where a guy had a tape measure, you know, the tape measure that rolls yeah, yeah. and he was doing all these tricks, like he was throwing it and grabbing keys and turning a light switch off and opening a door and things like that. And it was a viral video that was actually an ad. So it was put together by a production company. And all of the shots, every single trick in that was fake. And he showed exactly how they did it. And this guy, he can do this stuff at an, at a professional level. Like he could do stuff in movies. Maybe he even does. I don't know his background. But not only did he show how they faked the shots, but he put themselves himself into the shot. So like he showed what was going on and he was like there, like he was in the video that he was debunking and like the way he did it was amazing. And I've seen a bunch of his videos now and he can do things like he can make himself fly. He looks like he's in space and he jumps off of a space station and falls to the earth and throws fire from his hands and all kind of like he can do all kinds of really cool stuff. So uh, this video is called Miss Ping Debunk. And there's a video where a guy has a ping pong paddle and there's a girl standing, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 feet away. And he takes kitchen knives, long kitchen knives, and he smacks them with the paddle at her. And she catches two of them on paddles. And then he hits a ping pong ball directly into her mouth. And then he hits another knife, which chops a pineapple in half that's over her head. And he breaks down and shows exactly how it's done. And it is so cool. And this guy's a good skeptic too. He's, he doesn't disbelieve everything and say, Oh, everything's fake. Everything's BS. He actually, you know, he says, well, let's investigate it. Let's look into it. And there are things that are true and here's why they're true. And he points out when things are true and there are things that are fake and here's how you can tell they're fake. And here's, you know, you should be thinking what he says every single episode at the end, he said, Feel with your heart, use your head for everything else. And I think that's a great thing. So the, uh, the, the ping pong uh, paddle debunk video is the first one of his I saw. And it's the one that made me watch like probably another 20 of them. So I want to share that with as many people as possible because this guy's awesome. Cool. Awesome. This actually made me think of those videos that I saw recently on a very useful uh, website called Facebook. <laughs> You know, those like commercials where a bunch of guys, they're doing tricks with balls, like balls, actually, you know, ball. Uh, yeah, dude, it, perfect. Yeah, soccer ball, like, you know, yeah. he kicks it and it goes into the, I don't know, basketball hoop or something. Yes. Anyway, anyways, more to back to more interesting topics. Um of course, for a very long time, my third link, we didn't have, guess who? Yes, it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> the title of this one is Sisu 
I hope I'm pronouncing this one, and I'm gonna give you a very interesting uh, fact that this word in Croatian, again, declinated as we say, uh, actually means boob. So I was like, okay, that's a weird name. But anyways, uh, the title is Sisu, S-I-S-U, How to Develop Mental Toughness in the Face of Adversity. This post is actually, as I said, by James Clear, and he tells a story of how Finland was invaded by Soviet Union, Union in 39, uh, and they basically severely, they were like, you know, severely outnumbered, uh, and they relied on this one thing called, as they called it, Sisu. And again, this is not a word that you can define, but basically uh, it actually refers to an idea of continuing to act even in the face of repeated failures and like extreme odds, right? So they were outnumbered, I think, like tenfold or something. And still they persevered. They didn't falter. They didn't give up, right? And again, this, again, aligns with everything that I believe in, right? So I'm like, okay, this is great, right? And um, it, it's basically a way of living life by so-called, you know, displaying perseverance, even when you like know, even mentally know that you've reached the end of your physical, mental capacities, but still you do not want to quit, right? I found that very interesting, right? And um, yeah, if you're into this kind of stuff, go check it out. Yeah, and the article actually mentions that it is uh, similar to the term grit, which is um, a term that many of us have heard from the book Carol Dweck, uh, The Growth Mindset. I think you and I talked about it yep. not too long ago. So that's very cool. I like that other countries have different words for th these concepts, you know, because it shows that there's something there. All right. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't mention one thing that I actually liked and I just checked my notes. Uh, it is that basically the truth is we all experience failure. All, literally all. If you're not, then sorry, you're not, you're not growing. Then you're a complete loser because you're not trying anything. <laughs> Exactly, right? But mentally tough people actually realize that failure is an event and not their identity, right? And yeah. th this is a very simple sentence, but a very powerful one because, hey, someone, you know, think about it, right? If you fail five times at something, right? And if you don't have this Sisu, as they call it, will you go for the sixth time? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, every single one of us, if you're if you're a professional in some way, did you get every job every time you had an interview? Or did you do five or ten interviews for the last job you got? It doesn't mean just because you got rejected five out of six or nine out of ten or eleven out of twelve times doesn't make you a eleven out of twelve percent loser. You know, it's this yeah. is what you have to do. So, all right, I'm going to get serious for my last one here. There is a it's actually a podcast and they don't have their own webpage. They have like paid SoundCloud and I guess Spotify or whatever different uh, links. But I chose to go with an, a Los Angeles times.com article. And the name of the podcast is we, the unhoused. And it's a podcast by a guy named Theo who is homeless and in Los Angeles in Chinatown area. And he has a podcast. He walks around with a cell phone and he talks and he interviews other unhoused people. I, I wasn't really familiar with the term unhoused. Everyone knows 
homeless, but you know, unhoused, I guess is a, I don't know if it's a more politically correct or gentler way to say it. Or George Carlin decades ago in the nineties said that, you know, we shouldn't call it homelessness because a home is an abstract idea. It's a state of mind. These people need physical, tangible housing. So it's houselessness, uh, not homelessness, but you know, unhoused, I guess works well too. And a lot of people have certain stereotypes of homeless people. They think that they're all, they want to be homeless or they're all mentally ill or they're all on drugs or they're all criminals or at least mostly enough that if you see a homeless person, you can be pretty much assume they're dangerous. They should stay away from your kids and blah, blah, blah. And the other side of it is that in many communities, especially Los Angeles, from what I'm hearing, they are very hostile to the homeless. And by they, I mean businesses and the government. The police will harass them. They will not prosecute people for harassing them. Uh, they will make them move just to make them move because people don't want to see them there because it makes them uncomfortable. They will go to the park where they're staying and say, you've got to move all your stuff because we're going to be spraying and cleaning. And one, they never come and spray. They're just, they just want the people out. And two, if they don't get out within a certain number of minutes, they actually take all their stuff and throw it away. So, you know, this is like all their stuff, bags or whatever it is they have that have their clothes, possibly medications and IDs. You know, what if you're homeless and you have a doctor's appointment or you have a job interview or you have something and you have a tent in the park and you come home and it's been thrown away, you know? So uh, I've listened to, I think the first four or five episodes of it, they're about an hour or more each and it's really interesting and homelessness has always been not always but for a bunch of years now has been something that i feel very strongly about it bothers me a lot not that there are homeless people but that that they are homeless and what can be done about it to help out so if you're interested in the topic i recommend checking it out it is very la specific because it's hosted by a guy who's in Chinatown, Los Angeles, and he's interviewing people, I guess, within walking distance of himself. But he's also had some professionals like lawyers and other advocate type people that work with the unhoused to help them out and protect them from police harassment. And, you know, these people, they've got a they've got a bad enough life as it is. They don't need police telling people, yeah, you can throw ice chunks of ice at them because the evidence will disappear and people coming in the middle of the night, two, three in the morning to the places where they sleep and squealing their tires and honking their horns and revving their engines. And in one case, uh, uh, setting a guy on fire in his sleep. Another case, throwing uh, an M80, which is a powerful firework, into the tent of a homeless guy while he was sleeping. So these people are being seriously harassed, injured, sometimes killed, and... You know, just because they don't have an address. And that's pretty messed up. Interesting. Way to bring down the mood, I know. but Totally. But, you know, sometimes you got to raise some awareness. And I think this is uh, the only place I can do it. So I am going to do it. And that's what we have for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cool. See you. Bye-bye. <laughs>